You're listening to Bell, Book, and Candle with Mela Borowski. Thoughts from a Southern Witch. Should have studied witchcraft. Should have learned to ride a broom. So me and my black cat could fly through the skies underneath the moon. I'm Mella Borowski, and you're listening to Bell, Book, and Candle. Today, we've got Lance Baker with us from Australia. Lance runs Branches of Healing and is an energy healer, a hypnotherapist, a teacher, a fellow podcaster. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Lance. What should we know about you going into this? I've, I've got two big passions. The primary two of those are hypnosis and energy healing. Um, energy healing changed my life quite a while ago and drastically changed my, my life. I had a decade of agonizing chronic pain that went away within a week of learning energy healing. Mm, I was reading that story, yeah. Yeah, and then within a couple of weeks of learning energy healing, I was I was putting people into trance. I was, I was, turns out I was doing animal magnetism, mesmerism. Uh, the energetic roots to hypnosis uh, and then so I explored that area of life and most of my day is spent talking to someone who technically doesn't exist really I uh, engage in conversation with parts of someone's subconscious um, to help okay. get rid of anxiety depression chronic pain or something else yeah, as a hypnosis practitioner myself, I know that there's lots of different ways that you can use hypnosis. So you mentioned a few of those. And I saw on your website that you mentioned mind, body, and spirit. And I love that because that's that's what I'm all about as well. In fact, my logo is three rays and it's the mind, body, spirit. So, you know, smoking, cessation, anxiety, all the way to past life regression. So do you have a focus on hypnosis that you just really, really love to do? Yeah, the bulk of my my clinic is anxiety and trauma based work mm-hmm. okay. I, I still do all the other things it's pretty rare I see smokers more often than not I just refer them on to one of the weekend warriors that have got their fancy hypnosis script for a smoking thing that they're trying to get a start with so that helps them pioneer their ground uh, I'm, I'm happy to leave that to them and I focus on the the harder things that cripple somebody's life. <laughs> mm-hmm. I tend to really, really enjoy the spiritual side, past life regression, finding healing from that. That's kind of what I love to do myself. Um, you mentioned mesmerism. Tell, yes. tell me about that. So mesmerism is, is where hypnosis started from. Uh, Anton Mesmer, the original guy who started mesmerism he wasn't an egotistical maniac calling it after himself he called it animal magnetism Mm -hmm. it was renamed mesmerism in honor of him years later Uh, so it's it's where you have passes of your hand either on or off somebody's body i generally do it off where those continual passes move the he called it an etheric fluid in somebody's body we now know it as chi prana mm-hmm. ki that sort of thing mm-hmm. i call it akasha uh, as you know my podcast is called akasha talks the, yeah the energy talks uh and so 
passes of pulling that energy down help somebody get internal to a different state. Uh, it took a different turn uh, a little bit later. Uh, he didn't do it. He only talked. He just put people into a trance and, and did his thing with his mouth shut. He, uh, he also would gaze at people and stare into their eyes and pop them into a trance. Uh, mm-hmm. Later on, somebody had asked a question of somebody else after they put somebody into this trance and the, the boy talked and said what was wrong with him and what would help him and so on. Uh, so a new movement began called the somnambulists, which today we only know of somnambulism as a deep state of hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but originally that was called, that was meant animal magnetism where you get a part within this person to speak to you, to tell you what's going on. And then over the years, uh, they took that energetic element out to try and demystify it, to make it less esoteric, to make it more normal. Uh, and it was like psychology grew out of the hypnotist movement and that made them more and more focus on the hypnotism side of things rather than the mesmerism side of things because psychology was getting a name for itself and being reputable (laughs) and they didn't want to be the whack jobs. (laughs) Yeah. Would you say that then mesmerism is a type of energy healing? Exactly, yes. Okay. Yeah. I really liked when you said that it was linked to magic, the movement of, of energy, the manipulation of energy. Do you want, can you tell me more about the link to magic with mesmerism? As you know, this podcast is geared towards a witchy audience. Okay. Yes. Uh, well, when I go over my hypnosis history and classes I teach, I, I cover a lot of people earlier on than what often get, uh, covered in a traditional hypnosis class uh, and a lot of them have links with magic most of the early mesmerists were were esotericists some of them were seemingly grimoire magicians but I, I don't have proof of that but it's um, it's it's certainly there uh, there, there was a, a lot yeah. of roots to it and um Eliphas Levi, he he said the key to magic was mesmerism. Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. Tell me about the idiomotor response. Explain what that is to someone who has absolutely no clue. An idiomotor response is where you get the subconscious or a part within the subconscious to communicate with you via a, a signal through the body. So it uses the nervous system. And so it's series of twitches essentially so for most people it's just a finger single like one finger flickers and for a yes and a different finger flickers for a no i generally get an i don't know and a a maybe as well if i go down that Mm -hmm. route uh sometimes it can be quite big like it might be a a whole jolt of one arm for a yes Mm -hmm. a whole jolt for another arm for a no for some people it's it's head nods that's a, a bit rarer though uh I've had it where I've done it with people's eyebrows. Uh, oh, wow. And it can, technically, it, it's also automatic writing and direct voice where you get the, that different part of the subconscious to communicate to you via voice. Uh, most people today only think of video motor response as flickers of uh, a finger, but 
But it's much deeper than that, yeah. Yes, yeah, Hippolyte Bernheim, who coined the term, he he mentioned all these other things that were, were part of it, so... I've used a lot of automatic writing, and even when I'm, even in a meditation that I'm giving to other people, I'll have them do some automatic writing, so I can definitely see where that is part of it. And yeah, with my clients, I've seen the the little finger raise up, and I've seen you know other things too. But I I really feel like like the idiomotor response is related to the use of a pendulum. I know my views are a little different than maybe even some of my listeners, but I feel that our subconscious are even our higher self can speak to us through the pendulum. You know, other guides, divine entities can too. But I think it's the subconscious sending a lot of signals to our arms, our hands. So what do you think about that relationship? Uh, yes, that's that's definitely, definitely the, the case. There was there was a lot of study done on the uh, pendulum and it was, was proven to be idiomotor response. There was, there was a book quite a long time ago about that and mm. It, it went into quite good detail about that process. Yeah, it was a uh, was Chabrel was the guy. He was a French chemist. Uh, okay. And it was 1850s the book. Uh, okay. Great. And the name was something like Della Banquet Divinori or something like that. Uh, mm. But it was it was the first link to the pendulum and the unconscious. Uh, he, okay. he was quite an interesting dude. He, he lived to over 100. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and interesting little tidbit about the guy. He wasn't just like into all this uh, communication with the unconscious. He he also had a huge impact in the world of art with colour. Uh, he came up with some interesting colour theories that really changed the art oh, movement. Oh, interesting. And, uh, yeah, he, he was a chemist working in a dye factory. <laughs> Hmm. Wow. <laughs> I've also read that the idiomotor response is what causes the movements using a Ouija board too. Correct. Yes. Uh, okay. But there's so a lot of your listeners are gonna be turning off this this already because we've been talking about subconscious moving a pendulum and a Ouija board, which is where they're getting communication from spirit and they've based their career and their beliefs highly on that. Right. Uh, I'm going to get a little bit weird, <laughs> which I'm sure your <laughs> listeners will be happy with now. Okay. My view of the subconscious from years of engaging in conversation with it is it's not exactly what you think it is from psychology. As I said, psychology evolved out of hypnosis. Uh, mm -hmm. So the guy who did most of the original writings on idiomotor response, Hippolyte Bernheim, he actually taught at the school that Freud went to, who left there and was a terrible hypnotist and came up with his own theories of psychology to, to change things. Uh, so our view of what that is is twisted by egos and people who were trying to explain it without engaging with it. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's just a subconscious or a subconscious and ego and an id and we've got many parts to our consciousness and they all conflict with us of, of what they want and when you engage in conversation with them either with that idiomotor signal or with giving it away to verbalize its communication or automatic writing 
You seem to have very, very distinct personalities. So it, it gets in that gray area of being like a multiple personality disorder, but guess what? Everybody, everybody has one. <laughs> right. But they work in, in, in a team together to make you. Uh, sometimes they don't work in a team and they don't know of the other. But where it gets weird is I've noticed it's got a bit of an animism sort of framework where it's not just you. Uh, sometimes it's something outside of you. Quite often, like an ancestor or somebody that's hanging around you. Uh, sometimes you're calling on whatever of whatever they're calling on with the Ouija board. Uh, to come in uh, so sometimes it can be a spirit you call is part of your consciousness in that sense uh, our intuition is us picking up on external consciousness mm-hmm. and idiomotor response still can work that way i've had okay clear communication with external spirit using idiomotor response where i've had feedback that could not be refuted of that being the case so so it sounds like the subconscious is is a little bit more than just what psychologists want us to believe there's there's more out there spiritually speaking yes yes some psychologists would want to lock me up for what i just said (laughs) i'm sure they would (laughs) so i really like that because it it resonates with my beliefs as well as you know a collective unconscious or a collective subconscious type of thing where you are reaching out to the things that have happened to your ancestors to everyone you know this interconnectedness that we have with the entire universe really so that kind of fits into my worldview a little bit as well is this what you would call parts therapy yes yeah i uh i work with with parts therapy uh, i didn't to begin with but it went that way uh, I was introduced to parts therapy before I'd heard of parts therapy uh, so like when I was when I was a young child my cousin liked this show called Herman's Head uh, sitcom in the 80s and uh, it was half the show was set of this guy just having a job in an office and uh-huh. dating and all the rest uh, but the other half of the show was on this blank set, like a, a black background studio set sort of thing with some props. Mm-hmm. And there was four characters and they were all different parts of this guy's consciousness. So these four characters would argue and bicker about things and then the show would cut to this guy and his job and he'd do whatever they were arguing about. One of them's point of view would have the outcome. So like he had a female character that was was his loving sort of side. He had a jock sort of character that was that <laughs> macho bravado sort of thing. And I remember uh-huh. one episode where the jock character had been like tied to a chair and muzzled <laughs> uh, before he went on a date. So <laughs> <laughs> I'd had exposure to thinking about that concept as a child without any psychological texts to explain it. Uh, yeah and then found out about it that way and and started exploring it before I started studying or anything like that. Okay. Is parts therapy related in any way to Carl Jung's shadow work theory, the shadow self? 
technically not. Um, I think the people who started Parts Therapy as a label stole more from Gucci. Uh, he was philosophers, but Jung, there's elements of it there, but he's more talking about there's archetypes that affect most people. So he's more mm-hmm. categorized mm-hmm. what kind of parts influence somebody. Okay. Um, that's more where his approach was, was vague categorizations of, of that. But as far as I know, most of the people who pioneered what we call parts therapy didn't really look into his work too much. So they've stayed away from words like archetype and Mm. the models he had and shadow and stuff like that. Okay. Honestly, when I engage in conversation with a part anyway, if it's what we'd call the shadow uh, in Jung's sort of aspect, Mm-hmm. It's, it's not really that at all. It's it's more a part of your consciousness that learnt a skill to keep you safe at one point in your life that the message got greyer and greyer over time and yeah. it misunderstood it and it's doing something it thinks is great but turns out isn't. Or it's a self-sabotage sort of thing where you did something at some stage and it felt you needed to learn from that and compensate for whatever this terrible thing was you did and so it continually makes you do these certain things to pay penance for that Mm -hmm. and with conversation with these parts it's really easy to break that pattern they want to be in good rapport and relationship with Mm -hmm. you the conscious person they want to make your life better it's not like a shadow part that wants to see the world burn (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So these have been really difficult times for a lot of people around the world. And with your, the education, the skills, the practical experience you, you've had, do you have any practical tips for keeping our minds focused and resilient during these times? Yeah. Everybody engages somewhat in self-hypnosis, really, I feel, with your daily chatter. And 2020, was the year people were really engaged in (laughs) self-hypnosis and talked to themselves a lot because some people didn't get out to speak to other people. Right, yeah. So we had that massive amount of solitude and the conversations you have with yourself, if you sit back and think about some of those, you might see it in that parts therapy approach where you can see two distinct voices of what aspects of your personality were communicating. And the more you can notice that, the easier that is to change that conversation. Generally, we, in, in a negative self-talk sort of concept, mm-hmm. we focus more on one of the voices than the other. So the voice of reason is, is blurry and he's muffled. It's more like the voice of an adult in a Peanuts cartoon. It's just warbled. <laughs> yeah. Where the, the voice of boredom discontent self-punishments quite loud and clear like Mm, yeah (laughs) yeah. Uh, so you're only hearing that one side of the conversation or it's just domineering conversation Mm -hmm. and just stopping everybody else and so if you're going to have that time to listen to that just pay attention to how long you listen to it and sit and say okay what's the other 
point of view. Let's listen to the other party and see how long you can sit and listen with the other one. And that can be a hard practice to to mm-hmm. kick off. But once you start doing it, it, it really helps a little bit more. Uh, the other thing you can do is just stop and ask, well, what's to gain from this? Mm. What's the cost from this? Is there a way I can increase the value of something else to make that more appeasing? Is there a way I could decrease the cost of this to, to change it, decrease the value in it? Depending on what is happening, you might be able to twist it by finding out what's this really aiming for? Mm. What What is this voice really trying to tell me? Is it about this? Is it something else? Um, if your viewers like, I, I did a, a self-hypnosis presentation for a Zurich convention mm. uh, that ended up being online uh, because of COVID. So if they go to my website, uh, branchesofhealing.com.au slash self-hypno, you can, you can watch that. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. It'll teach them some self-hypnosis in an idiomotor response fashion where they can actually engage in conversation and, and ask questions from these parts and get feedback to work out if they can have an agreement with this part of their consciousness to make some change. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you for, for giving us that um, access. Uh, so I asked this question to pretty much all my guests. So I'm going to ask it to you. What is the most important thing that you've learned on your own spiritual path? The most important thing? Um, that's, that's a tricky question. <laughs> uh, I, I'd say that there's hope. So I, I didn't go over it really at the, the beginning, but I lived with migraine 24-7 for nearly a decade. A little bit over nine and a half years, nonstop, wow. 24-7, pounding migraine. Wow. On a pain scale of one to ten, the best I ever felt over that near decade would have been a three. On wow. average, I was sitting around a five or a six. I had to come up with a new definition of what ten was at least a dozen times. So life was uh, was effed up. <laughs> it was not yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. And I had given up hope Um, by like year three of that, I'd Mm. given up hope. Um, By year five of that, I'd given up taking drugs or any medication to affect it unless it was a nine or a ten. And I I just stopped searching. And at the beginning of the ninth year, I I turned 33 and I said to myself, this is is my magic year. Let's let's see, I'll try everything. I, I can't live another year like this um, I'm going to do something about it I'm going to try everything again and no matter how weird something is I'm still going to try and I I tried a bunch of things Uh, eventually (laughs) eventually I tried Reiki and it it helped a little bit it didn't didn't do much but it helped enough Mm -hmm. to get my attention because nothing else had helped enough to make a difference but then I learned it myself Within a week and a half of just channeling that energy, mm-hmm. that migraine was gone. Completely. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, I didn't even notice it disappear. It just faded out. I remember the moment wow. I was stepping out of my man cave to go to work, and I'm about to shut the door, and I think I've forgotten something. 
what have I forgotten? I've got my keys, I've got my wallet, I've got my phone. Oh, I, I don't have a migraine. You forgot your migraine. <laughs> oh, well, when, did I have it when I woke up? No, I, I couldn't remember when I'd lost it. Mm. I only remembered the last time I'd had it really hurting because I'd done, I'd only done self-healing once during that time as well. I was just practicing energy balls and yeah. practicing on other people. And I remember doing a healing on myself once because I'd felt that, that pain. So I knew it had been there throughout the process, but I didn't know when it disappeared. Wow. But that, that moment changed my life. I, mm-hmm. I'd been freed from this suffering. Uh, and it was... I hope I didn't think I'd have, like I went to learn Reiki thinking that I could maybe, if I was lucky, live at a three on average on that pain scale. Mm-hmm. That I, I'd be able to take a 10 down to an eight on my own. Mm-hmm. That's, that was the expectation I had stepping in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't expect to make it go. I expected to find... Mm something to take the edge off occasionally and I, and I found better wow. than I, I found a solution to it and then <laughs> that showed me all other different kinds of things that opened me up to how energy heals emotion and that wiped away all the the baggage I had of just like I was emotional as a bag of bricks <laughs> I, I wasn't in touch with my emotions before now, now I am uh, that opened the door to hypnosis that opened the door to mm-hmm. me having the community I have now uh, It's it, there's not been a point where I could have spotted where my life would be within a year since since that moment and it's, it's always just gotten better and better so that really shows me how much hope is there no matter what sort of situation you're in there's hope I've had people come to my clinic that have had no hope and their expectation of what they could get out of a session with me is minimal and Mm -hmm. I can achieve that minimal and I can achieve more quite often and blow their minds of of what they're actually capable of having within their life again. So. So you found hope yourself and now you're able to give hope to other people. I think that's beautiful. Yes, yeah, I think so too. It's a, it's a, a great feeling to have uh, have a purpose in life. Mm-hmm. Most of the healers that I know have a story, you know, similar in some way of something being healed. It's like that wounded healer archetype of you, you healer heal thyself, and then once you are healed in some way, you're able to go and, and give that to other people. And I and I have a story like that myself and you know it's it's beautiful that that can happen yeah i I love seeing the look on people's faces when when they've got uh that story that they can tell that Mm -hmm. personal impact of seeing the value of, of what can happen when you open up to the external so any final thoughts for us uh be your own unique wonderful self try and do something nice for yourself you deserve it beautiful (laughs) i love it so how do we get in touch with you and how do we find your podcast uh so my website branchesofhealing.com.au has has ways to contact me uh, has 
ways to to do different therapies with me over distance it's also got my podcast on it akasha talks uh, you can find akasha talks on its own just at akashatalks.com slash podcast yeah i'm quite easy to to find on email there uh, happy for people to reach out on social media if they prefer just to have a, a basic chat to to begin with to, to find out more about what i do okay. uh, yeah so lance it's just been awesome having you it's been great to up. And I just want to give a special shout out to my Patreon supporters. Your support has enabled me to upgrade some of my equipment. So thank you. Thank you, Lance. And y'all be blessed. Thank you all for listening to Bell Book and Candle. You can follow Mella on Instagram and Facebook at Bell Book Candle SC. That's Bell, B-E-L-L-E. Or become a patron at patreon.com forward slash bellbookcandle.